I did look at the challenge results and it was like not a lot of sideways stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's no, the thing. it's all slamming your value cards into your opponent's value cards. Like that's the thing I like most about any card game really is the ability to play sideways, which is kind of a bummer for like most standard formats and also for flesh and blood because the way that game is designed you like have a four card hand and your goal is to empty it every single turn to like right. get a new four card hand so you're yeah. just playing with four cards a turn with and there's very limited ways to build up which is why the people i have enjoyed playing are the few that can actually do stuff to build up <laughs> yeah that makes sense wheel shall we talk about some magic yeah we can do it maybe all right I might cough during it. That's fine, I'll edit that out. <clears throat> Good. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 242 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Lee, you're recovered? Yes, I'm I'm back from my my sick leave, which was also my sick leave because it's hard Are to do sick? a podcast without no, I mean it's just hard to do a podcast oh. without a co-host. So. I got worried for a second cuz you didn't no, tell no, me no, you no, I was sick. fine. <laughs> it's just, it's just when you take off I take off, so. But that's like maybe the second non-Christmas week episode we've missed in the history of this podcast, so, you know, not doing too bad. I don't remember the first one. I think there was one other one because I remember like the streak was broken at one point, but I don't remember what it was. So, well, I'm mostly healthy now. That's good. Mostly healthy is an improvement over not able to do a podcast. So, yeah, I was pretty miserable last Tuesday. So I'm, I'm sorry. glad I didn't force myself to do it. <laughs> or it wasn't Tuesday. It was Monday. I was just like over it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's totally fine. I got a little break from editing and stuff, and it's actually, it's really weird. I feel like just taking, like, one week off, and then I, my whole routine, like, I forget about it. it, It's very, like, I just was, I'm so used to doing the editing each week and then not having it, and I feel like, oh, man, now I have to edit this week? That's, like, this huge task that I didn't have last week. I just got, like, completely thrown off by it. Just a Herculean task ahead Mm -hmm. of you. But this week, we're going to talk about, since we didn't get to talk about it last week, we're going to talk about the digital organized play announcement with all of the arena stuff and a little bit of moto stuff and some streets of new Capenna cards and what they're doing and just sort of check in on the magic formats a little bit. And also talk about how great the decision Watsi made was to put the pre-release ahead of the online release. Yeah, that was- yeah, that was very good. I, very good is even an understatement to me because yeah uh, i mean I, i'm not big on pre-releases but i do think they're really important mm-hmm. and i heard a lot of reports of stores just like basically selling out of pre-release slots and just like right because everyone was there to play because they couldn't just stay at home and you know be in their pajamas playing arena yes fantastic decision i didn't go pre-release but i'm still really glad that they did it and i hope that they do it in the future the one like black mark on this was the streamer event that got like announced really late 
and the method for like qualifying for it was super unclear so like a lot of very established content creators just didn't have slots in it like lsv didn't get into the streamer event and i think like martin yuza didn't get into the streamer event and it's like okay well maybe manage it a little bit if you're going to do it at all See, I didn't even know the streamer event was happening until I heard people complain about other people not getting into it. And I'm I'm just like over here, very plugged into what's going on. Yeah. Being like there's a streamer event. <laughs> right. Because they stopped doing it for a couple of sets and then they brought it back. And I think it would work quite well if you have the pre-release and then the streamer event and then the set comes out. Like that's a nice progression of like engagement with the set. And I... You know, they just need to actually execute, and I think it'll be fine. I, I'm very high on the pre-release being before Arena. Mm-hmm. I am not a streamer. I could like take or leave that thing. It always felt like kind of weird to me. I think I mentioned this when it went away. It was like, what did it really do? I, I never right. really saw returns from it. <laughs> yeah, I there's just just something like kind of nice about the. Ooh, go to the pre-release and then you can watch streamers. I don't know. There's there's somehow that that progression like seems to work better for me. But I do agree that in the past it felt like this weird thing that like, you know, it's okay. It's the new set content. And this was still the case. It's like, oh, it's content with the new set. I guess I'll watch. But like nobody's really trying, which as a spike makes me really uninterested in most of the content. Because it's like everybody's just like goofing around. Yeah, to me, it kind of feels like having a streamer of it instead of just releasing the set early is kind of like holding people hostage <laughs> for the attention. Like, even if that's not the intention of it, it just kind of feels like, well, sorry, you can't play. So I guess we're, you're going to have to watch our promoted people because you want to get the new cards information yeah. and stuff. I wonder if there's something else they could do as part of it that would like help build hype. Like, I don't know, doing something with the mainstream and like go like the the unofficial Watsy stream for the thing that's like doing something with the streamers or something like that. Like make it an actual thing and an event that is worth like being a part of and tuning into rather than like, okay, streamers are streaming magic the way they do all the time and they're getting to play a set that I don't get to play. Like if they made it a thing, then that might be more compelling. Was it also all best of one this time? Because I knew the old ones were all best of one and it just felt like garbage. I probably, I don't remember. I didn't really watch that much of it because I, you know. I didn't know what was going on, so. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, the other big news besides Nuka Pena coming out, which we'll get to those cards. The like second part of the OP announcement happened and that was just like how the digital play space is going to be a part of organized play just quick summary of mostly arena stuff they are reworking how the qualifier weekends work these are not no longer going to be qualified exclusively through being top 1200 on ladder now top 250 qualify and they have these uh like play-in qualifiers that happen before the qualifier weekend you can buy into those qualifiers for like 4k gems or with gold or you can earn special points to get into those qualifiers via just playing in the events limited or constructed events and now you just don't have to ladder anymore to play in the qualifier weekends and the qualifier weekends qualify you for a 
quarterly arena event that has 200k in prizes and they also qualify you straight through to the pro tour you don't even have to make a stop at regionals on your way through relatively difficult to qualify you know they anticipate about like 32 people qualifying uh for each of the uh arena championship things so it is not easy to qualify through these qualifier weekends only a handful of people actually get through but the system for getting through is so much better than laddering and to me so much more compelling because it kind of creates these little mini seasons you know the format of the qualifier and the play-in ahead of time and you can if you want just like play a bunch of the uh, events of that format to earn your little qualifier points and I you know, wasn't planning on playing a bunch of arena, but this announcement got me way more excited than I anticipated being to play Magic on Arena in the future. You don't even have to play that many of the events, really. Like, that's one of the things I really liked about the announcement is right. that, uh, like, if you play Investor 3 Constructed, because that's what I don't I remember, I don't remember the draft payouts. Uh, <clears throat> if you go five wins which is the max number of wins so basically like trophying but i think you're allowed a loss because you can no you're not allowed you're a loss. not it's so you play those are exactly like leagues you play five matches okay. I, I couldn't remember because the the structure is well laid out in the article but it doesn't actually have the event structure in it so you, it, you like it have, does it does you have to click these little drop downs to show them okay okay i see I don't know where the standard one is. But anyway, you, you get four points yeah. for 5 0 basically a league, right? Mm-hmm. And you only need 20 to enter. So if you get five trophies, you're good to go. I mean, that kind of is a lot. I think you have to be kind of grinding those in order to get those points. I think it'll take a little while, but... I think that's way, way preferable to like playing on ladder because right. I you just like can budget even half an event per day mm-hmm. <laughs> if you give out a whole month you have like you're playing in yeah. eight events per month essentially and and that does only buy you a qualification to the play-in for yes. the qualifier weekend but you know you can have multiple entries to the play-in and you can also just use gold or gems to buy your way into the play-in which has reasonable prizes you know if you are playing best of three and you win two matches and then lose your third like you've come out even on those qualifier weekends so or maybe even a little better than even so as long as you're like getting close then you can just sort of like fight your way through to make the qualifier and so i i the system is so much better i am never going to like grind ladder again realistically and i'm not going to feel like i'm screwing up by not doing that i think it's the perfect de-emphasization of ladder because it's Mm -hmm. a ladder should just be a system where you play whenever you want to like pick up games with like some ranking to trick people into playing it yeah not actually something that you care about for qualifying because that's really it's miserable yeah Yeah. just an awful experience yeah like i i did actually play a little bit of ladder uh yesterday just because i had a standard deck i was trying out and i didn't want to like pay an entry because i didn't even know if like the mana base worked so you know play a little bit of ladder to see if my deck functions first before going into an event with it and you know that felt fine because i didn't really my mana did function okay 
I will talk about this deck a little bit more when we talk about Standard and New Capenna, because this is my unlikely to work out attempt to break through the morass <laughs> of the mid-rangey format that exists right now. Godspeed, honestly. <laughs> Let's unban divide by zero. See how far mid-range gets then. Honestly, though, there's so many. I don't know that that would be the thing that does it. I think you would have to go all the way to unbanning all runs epiphany to get there to, to shut these mid-range decks down. It is just like too much of a mess and too many of the three mana spells are just like several cards worth of value right now. Yeah, there there's a lot of that. Mostly there's a lot of three mana enchantments to give you cards. <laughs> yes. So they also made a small announcement about Magic Online. So now the Mox gives PT invites and gives a couple of Direct Worlds invites. So that's pretty cool for people who are grinding that system. Uh, the qualifiers and the super qualifiers on Moto now give Regionals invites, uh, which is probably mostly a side grade from like getting an arena set championship invitation which is what you have what you were doing for the past two years nobody was really super excited to play in one of those and i think going to regionals is like probably relatively equivalent i think it mostly depends on your financial situation like yeah. it's a lot easier to justify right. like an arena pro tour yeah as long as you can i don't know i don't remember if Watsi was still giving premier yeah, accounts for those they they have been and they still are for the next couple and whereas like going to a paper pro tour you actually have to be able to travel to a regional pro tour and then yeah you know have all the cards and such and i think the tournament ev is probably also lower in the regionals than it, in these things so it, overall this doesn't seem ideal for people who were playing a lot of the qualifiers on yeah. moto i mean and in some cases, it's a lot more appealing because mm -hmm. the the like Brad Nelson story of playing a bunch of moto to break into the mm -hmm. paper sphere and go through that is like really appealing to some people, and it yeah. would be to me too. Uh, so there, it's not like strictly a downgrade; it's just different. <laughs> no, I mean to me, it's an upgrade because I actually care about paper tournaments. And yeah, I do too just generally the the cachet of the arena set championships like there was just no it, like winning that didn't do much like it didn't what did it mean where did it get you like what what prestige did it have and you know the ev is lower here and that's definitely worse but for me certainly it feels like oh this is like way more worth doing now if i choose to do that so no i could, uh, i would certainly rather have the paper qualification but yeah. i'm also likely to just play every ptq i can drive yes. to yes that's also my plan i'm going to be i don't know man maybe just playing a ton of magic because i i'm uh, gonna try to make sure to play in every qualifier weekend on arena i'm gonna try to play in every local ptq that i can get to and i am looking forward to all of it because that's what i'm that's what i want to be doing and i don't want to be grinding ladder and i never did even when that was the only way to do it i just was not willing to put in the time every month to like grind up to top 1200 mythic it just seemed so miserable to me and why be miserable playing the game that you ostensibly enjoy i am a full-on paper boomer now mm -hmm. like I'm, not, I'm just not gonna play arena but 
I desperately want a stupid calendar of events that I can use to plan out how I'm getting to all of these places because I want to play in as many yeah. tournaments as I can. Yep. And it's what, Pioneer season? Pioneer's a good format. I'll play it. I have Lotus Field right there on my well, desk. Well, it's Pioneer Regionals and Pro Tour. I have no idea what our PTQs are going to be. but I mean, in this area... There's a probably. decent chance we have a few yeah. Pioneer PTQs. I'm still, I'm willing to play any format I because I do not believe that standard is likely to f- happen in paper. Like That's no. just like a bygone format from the physical space. Yeah, don't worry. I will study standard. For, for our audience, I'll, I'll be bringing the uh, updates to the standard format because I will continue playing enough arena to make that happen. Although right now I have been mostly playing limited on arena because there's a new set out. And so this is already to me, an upside of the system sort of creating seasons like the upcoming qualifier weekend and the like last chance qualifier, whatever it's called for it, are new Capenna Limited. So not only do I get to play new Capenna Limited because I love playing a new limited set, but it's also like, oh yeah, I'm doing something productive here because I am learning this set in preparation for the limited qualifier weekend. So it it's kind of nice. I just get to like, I'm all about not necessarily like efficiency, but like some level of elegance in the things that I do. And whenever I'm like accomplishing dual purposes at the same time, it's very satisfying to me. So it's very elegant. So it's like the new set and it's prepping you for the thing. So it's like the perfect, just get to play a bunch of limited and no regrets. And you get to build up your arena collection too. Yes, right, exactly, because now I'm actually being encouraged to draft as the set comes out, which is the most efficient way to build your arena collection. I get to, like, I have, like, 70 or 80 booster packs of new Capenna sitting in my account that I'm not going to open until I'm kind of finished drafting the set, because that's how you have to work around the duplicate protection stuff. And although I am technically a content creator and, you know, should be playing constructed in order to learn stuff. I, you know, I, I watch constructed. I watch plenty of streams and I have played a reasonable amount of standard and I just haven't crafted that much stuff yet. And it's mostly fine. If I were streaming, I probably would have had to craft like a million things, but that's just not. still in the first week of arena. So mm-hmm. like the standard format is the wild west. <laughs> yeah. We will get to that very shortly. A quick aside to talk about the other announcement that came along with this, which is the existence of the Explorer format, which is Pioneer cards that exist on Arena. With and the Pioneer ban list. Yes, with the Pioneer ban list, potentially additions to the ban list, depending on how things play out, given what is missing in the format. Um, You know, I don't really care about this format right now there's too many formats as is but i do appreciate the gesture and the fact that it's more than a gesture this isn't just we are going to bring pioneer to arena someday it's we made a classic format on arena and we're going to fill it in over time and eventually it will become pioneer you know in two you know a couple of years or something like that and I appreciate that because I really want that intersection of a an eternal paper format with playing on Arena. So I'm glad to see it. It just doesn't do that much for me right now, except for when I'll have to play it for qualifier weekends. 
especially since a lot of the gameplay of Explorer I've seen is just white noted decks against each other, which is not <laughs> the, the most engaging gameplay. I also saw someone play Mono Green Devotion, but Nykthos is not on Arena. So what, you, what in God's name are you doing? Like all of the the cards you would play in the deck are, like Nyssa, Cavalier of Thorns, mm-hmm. uh, Elvish Mystic, Lanor Elves. Those are in Arena, but you uh, you don't have Nykthos. So I saw someone cast a card and get Pestilent Cauldron, which is the combo card in Pioneer, which you uh-huh. use for Nykthos. But you can't do it without Buku mana from your Nykthos. Yeah, like. they were playing Kiora, the, the War of the Spark one, and I was just like, did I miss something? Is Nykthos actually in Arena? But no, it's just not. It's just not in Arena. <laughs> <laughs> Very strange. I don't know why you would do that. I I have a feeling... I saw a little bit of information that, like, maybe Winota is not actually, like, as busted as people are saying. It's just that people don't really know what to play in the format yet, and nobody's really motivated to truly test the format and explore its limits. They're just playing, like, oh, this card is clearly good, and this deck builds itself. Oh, yeah, I would buy that. I don't think I don't think Winota is, like, the top tier of Explorer or whatever, because I don't think that exists. It's right. just... A clear level zero deck because it's very easy to build. Why not? Exactly. Got a buttload of text that's really good. (laughs) (laughs) A little, little overtuned on that card. Like maybe at least like not give. Don't give the creatures indestructible. Like, see, I actually really enjoy Winona. Yes, uh, because it's a red white card that actually does something. Unlike the vast majority of red white cards, which are either lightning helix or garbage, or a creature with haste. Yeah. I mean, why not as Creature of Haste? Mm-hmm. But it does so much more. It's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than uh, Tajik or whatever. Yeah, Legion's Edge. It's, yes. it's like two Tajiks. Yeah, there's so many. There's so many red-white creatures with either Haste or First Strike or both. And that's like mm-hmm. the majority of red-white cards. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I'm glad Explorer exists. It isn't super meaningful at this juncture, though we will definitely be using sort of the the seasons created by the arena qualifying format to guide us when talking about you know when making content about specific formats at times so when it is explorer season we will talk about explorer we probably won't mention it until then there are just too many formats to to talk about so we kind of have to curate based on what is most relevant to like the population at large and also Mostly to us, because we have to do the work to make this podcast, and I, I'm not going to study a format unless there's a reason to. And also, realistically, no one else is going to care about Explorer until there's a reason to care about it, right? Yep. It yep. was kind of the same with Pioneer, uh, but Pioneer had a lot more oomph at the start. And then it ended up with a like groundswell of community support in the past like year or so, just yeah. like kind of natural. Uh, oh, this format's fun. Let's keep playing it. So it wouldn't surprise me if Explorer is like just slept on for a while, and mm-hmm. then people only start working on it if it's, if it's included as a season instead of like historic or alchemy or whatever. Yeah, and I think that Explorer is actually the. So this season is limited. I think the next season is Explorer. So we will talk about it relatively soon. Yeah. Okay. I was not expecting that. I I thought they would give us a standard season before Explorer, but whatever. Double check. May is 
Streets of New Capenna Limited, June is Explorer. And it actually comes along really quickly. The The May qualifier weekend is May 28th and 29th, and the June qualifier weekend is June 18th and 19th. So you got a four-week limited season and a two-week Explorer season? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess they're just... I mean, and, and it's not a season. Like, you can qualify. You can earn these little qualifier tickets from playing any format that you want to. So it's not like, oh, man it's explorer season for x weeks i hope this is a good format it's it's you know it's only a season in as much as you make it one which i think i'll be kind of leaning into because that's fun for me and you know it's also I like doing nice my prep to get your practice while yes. earning things as opposed to like you know playing just limited and then going into the weekend being like all right let's let's explore all about <laughs> yes. i've got a day and a half to learn this well yeah I mean, you got to have fun, but hopefully having an idea of what's good in the format and figuring that out is fun or, you know, what are you, why are you playing Magic? See, this is when Watsi will release cubes right before every qualifier weekend and just be like, yeah, let's, that's let's a disaster for me. Here. There is nothing in this world that like engages my ADHD brain and like pulls me away from things that i should be doing including like going to bed nothing does it like arena cube especially when it's like a fun one then i i'm just like well probably gonna spend like 40-ish hours a week playing this cube and i don't really have time <laughs> to do that without like pulling time away from work or sleep or something so just well for your sake i hope they don't do that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll enjoy it whenever they do. So it's, it's up to them. Do what, do what you want. I will lean into it. If they All release a bad cube, part. then that's fine. Yeah, then you don't have to care. Like, you know, Tinker Cube was fun, but sometimes somebody played a siege game commander and like all of the cards in the cube are kind of bad which is fun like that's what's good about it but then like a siege game commander comes into play and you're like well i could throw four cards at that and like it just like eats them all and then i lose to the rest of their nonsense so you know some weird stuff going on there but even that cube which i didn't love but it had a bunch of fun stuff going on when when a game didn't just get wrecked by something uh I spent a bunch of I, I drafted a bunch of Tinkerers cube because it's just very easy to start an arena cube draft. You're not committed to anything. It just like kind of happens and it's fun. Kind of happen. You don't know. These, these things just happen. You know, these things, oh, my gosh. How am I how am I in the middle of pack one of an arena cube draft? <laughs> I was trying to get ready. Oh, God. Go out tonight. But I, I guess hate it's it when not these happening. things just happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I guess I'll this in the next three rounds <laughs> if i like my deck i mean i first picked a momentary blink and i just like i gotta see where this goes <laughs> uh the blink cards were extremely broken in that cube for anybody who is really invested in my takes on tinkerer's cube so here's a take for any cube uh if you see a blink card in a cube and you trust that the cube is built it's gonna be good like well the blink cards are all like very strong yeah like, blinking is just an extremely strong ability and not only is it an extremely strong ability but if ephemerate and momentary blink are in the cube like those are extremely pushed versions of the blink ability like every time you cast a removal spell on something and then they ephemerate it like you immediately lose the game 
Yeah, it may take like three more turns. Maybe you lose on the spot if they like blink a Moldrift or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you they just blink Siege Game Commander and you can't win that either. I I got to uh, ephemerate a what's the guy that makes clues? Oh, uh, Tireless Provider? No, 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 no. The uh, the evoke one. The evoke. Oh, oh, the green blue evoke one. Yeah, I got oh, to so many creatures that make clues. I, I drew like a wave sifter in my opening hand and then I drew an ephemerate and I like was about to do something on turn three until I realized like, oh my God, I put together wave sifter ephemerate and <laughs> white, blue, green mana. Uh, and so that, you know, that was a, a sweet game. I enjoyed doing that. One of my favorite wave sifter stories while oh, we're talking about wave sifter, of course, is that uh, one time playing that Glimpse deck, I just hard cast a couple of wave sifters and then tacked my opponent. <laughs> And they're like, all right, take four. Oh, no, no, no. These are these are three twos. <laughs> you're, you're taking six. <laughs> you're <here>. taking six. Fifty <laughs> percent larger than a mole drifter. Like, oh, oh, whoa! And then they realized they were on a clock, and they needed to actually <laughs> yeah. do something. <laughs> so I guess we segue a little bit to New Capenna. Uh, I have been playing a bunch of the limited format. I guess is the segue from Cube. It actually is a little Cube esque. It feels like in many ways there are these like. You know, each of the guilds has their own like keyword mechanic and they interlock in these really interesting ways that makes like a blue black deck operate differently from a Grixis deck, operate differently from an Esper deck, just like changes the emphasis of your cards, like changes the effect of, you know, like connive draws and discards cards and puts a plus one plus one counter on the creature and depending on what your other colors are like connive is centered in blue depending on your other colors you might have cards that care about the existence of counters on your creature like some bant cards care about that or you might have cards that trigger off of like drawing cards like fairy vandal is in the set or you might have graveyard synergies there's creature there's like a creature that you can flash back from your graveyard to make a an unblockable fish token or there are demir cards that care about you having five total five different mana values in your graveyard and that's kind of the case with like several different of the mechanics like just depending on what colors you are they're doing different things so that is really neat i have also found though uh, kind of similar to my problem with tinkerer's cube that sometimes it doesn't really matter what you put together because there's a bunch of mythic rares that just end the game on the spot when they come into play. And maybe I've played against more of them than average, but I have had, I've been playing best of three drafts and I've had like at least one match in like all of them end by my opponent just like casting a mythic rare and just it being unbeatable. So I've leaned my drafting more towards very aggressive decks with combat tricks to try to stop that from happening as much i read a take i don't remember who posted it but there's a green i don't remember what's called a green pump spell it's plus two plus two but if you have a certain number of creatures plus four plus four four creatures yeah yeah four creatures and they said that, that card went way up in their estimation yep uh when they realized you know it's a, a good combat trick and it also just kills people <laughs> yeah i i uh like wasn't playing combat tricks and then i played a deck with like that and the shield counter and then i just played a deck with three of that giant growth in it because it was really good every time i drew it for the people is that what it's called i think that's it yeah i had a deck with three for the people and four 
copies of it's the throng card it's the it's a three mana three one that when it enters the battlefield you can search your library for any number of copies of it and the the squadron hawk gathering throng it's the best squadron hawk for limited that we've ever had and it's really 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 good so (laughs) if you're not getting mythic rares and you can pick up gathering throngs i don't think it's even this is just like i'm gonna state random things about the limited format that i've picked up as we like go through this conversation because i've been playing too much limited i don't think it's even one of those like okay i'll note if one of these is in my pick one or pick two and then if i see one like pick six or seven then i might take it and try to wheel it it's like if i see one like pick three or four like i might just take it to hedge and then if i see one after that then i'm just like all right i'm all in on these throngs and uh because it's beaten the crap out of me and i've beaten the crap out of people with it and i think it's just as it's fine with two copies and then it's very good the more that you have i have a very high tolerance for formats where like rares are really good Mm-hmm. but that kind of scales with what the format is offering. It's like one of my favorite formats is the scars limited format and yeah. all the rares in that set are just completely busted. They're Legendarily just, it's busted. absurd. And a bunch of them were, were colorless. So they just always got played by whoever opened them. <laughs> yeah. And if you take away all the rares from the set somehow, cause you're like playing all of them, but whatever, let's say you just vanished all the rares the commons are uncommons in that set are like really boring. They're like not that much to write home about. Uh huh. Like that format needs the rares to like have some semblance of fun sure. in the format. But that's not kind of the case for Nuka Pena, which is really weird mm-hmm. for a format that has rares as good as it does have rares, like Jetbeer and stuff like that. Yeah. Where, and, and it's like purporting you to like have all these synergies you can assemble, but then it gets unraveled by rares. Yeah, and I wonder if that's just because it's impossible to print three color cards without like being required to push them, or else like why are they three colors? Well, Akoria didn't have pushed three color cards. Cons, I guess. I mean, those are enemy colors too. I mean, the Shards of Alar didn't even have that many pushed rares, to be honest, that I can remember. Yeah. Like I remember Tower Gargoyle and Uncommon being one of the best tricolor cards. A lot of the three color cards are specifically pushed in ways that's like, yeah, this will never see play in constructed, but man, in limited, this is an absolute banger. And also the ones that are pushed for constructed are pushed in ways that are like, oh my god, please don't ever cast that against me in limited. The Esper Lord Demon Head of the Family, uh, Rafine. Oh, the Sphinx, yeah. Yeah, just like white, blue, black for 1-4 with ward, and then whenever you attack, you connive X equal to the number of attackers. Any, any attacker. Any, you any of your attackers, right. Yeah. And it's just like, how the... Can you? Can anyone ever beat this card? No, you cannot. <laughs> and I do think that it does take away a little bit from the format, but I think that will lessen a little bit over time as I get better at putting the format's decks together. At the beginning of the format, I'm like kind of drafting the way the set tells me to like, okay, put this like casualty deck together, play this four drop that deals two to your opponent every time you sacrifice a creature when you have the sacrifice stuff. And then I learn over time, like, okay, that card's not actually like, it's telling you that this is the thing that it's about, but that's not actually that good. It doesn't really work this way. And you start learning like how to put your decks together together to be as efficient as possible. And as your decks get better, 
then you get more likely to win games faster and to beat rares when they do show up. So hopefully that lessens over time. But it has been a little bit frustrating early in the format. Did you want to talk about standard? <laughs> yeah, we should talk about the effect of some of these cards on the format. Standard right now is actually kind of funny to look at these deck lists. Like legitimately, I laughed out loud at a couple of the things that I noticed while going through mostly these standard challenges because they're the most like focused competitive outlet for standard play. When I look at these deck lists, I get extremely strong Throne of Eldraine vibes. Mm. Not like a power level thing or anything. Just like uh, no one's running out of cards here, huh? We're just nope. playing forever. <laughs> Absolutely not. Everything draws so many cards. Standard is a an absolute mid-range scrum right now you just like pick three colors and play the cards in those colors and you'll be okay pick some three drop value cards from the list of like wedding announcement fable of the mirror breaker kaido obnixilis welcoming vampire add in some like big heavy hitter fours like asika's chariot the wandering emperor and then figure out like what your late game is going to be. Are you like a meat hook anvil deck or do you just have big planeswalkers or do you have gold span dragon? And then you just like add in the cheap creatures and the removal in the colors that you fall in on. And I, these decks are like, they span all of the colors, but honestly, I don't think they're like meaningfully different from each other. Like maybe the anvil decks are kind of doing a slightly different thing, but ultimately like these are all, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Kaido Suzuki, winning announcement decks that are, start with these like bangers on turn three and then just like cast cards that draw more cards for the rest of the game. The, the only meaningfully different deck in standard that I can tell is the the Goldspan Dragon Leer holdover where you're just yeah. like doing your thing that you've done the whole format, not playing this i'm a mid i'm a mid-range capital m person you know the runes deck still exists too so that's yes, that's true but that, that also can devolve into a like value oriented gameplay style as well right but mostly it goes tall rather than going wide the way yes. that most of these decks do so it, 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 it there's a little bit of variety there yeah you know it's just a tiny bit speck of variety is really the spicy standard <laughs> yes. uh yeah i mean this is what happens when Auron's Epiphany gets banned, and then there's really nowhere to go to go over the top, it feels like. Everybody is going over the top, but the top is about, like, five mana, heavy value Planeswalker cards. Uh, if we, you look at the Sunday challenge, the top eight averaged 6.5 Planeswalkers per deck, <laughs> with some of them including as many as 11 Planeswalkers in their list. So this is... I believe the mid-rangiest standard that I've ever seen. It's not it's not small. I wish that and this is maybe a hot take, but I wish ramp existed in this format because those kind of decks have a a very clear weakness and strength to them. Mm -hmm. And I know everyone was really tired of ramp when it had no weaknesses at all when you could like play Wilderness Reclamation and Uro. That's not really what I'm advocating for. Correct. I'm really yeah. advocating for like an hour of devastation type deal where you can just go larger than these mid-range decks and force the format to deal with that rather than like building on itself over and over and over again. So there is one ramp deck that top aided the Saturday challenge 
and it's actually mono green ramp. 20 snow covered forests, four lair of the hydra, and one bozeju who endures. And it is ramp cards, ren and seven, four titans of industry, four topiary stompers, as and, and three workshop war chiefs. So a nice package of brand new mono color cards from our uh, shard based set. You know, playing a, a bunch of the hits that other decks play, but they just happen to all be green. So you get Ren and Seven and Asika's Chariot. I don't know that Titan of Industry is quite big enough to just like, are you actually going over the top? Maybe if you get it down early enough, then you are. But at some point, like, you know, you've wedded your opponent has wedding announcemented so many times that like Titan of Industry is not going to keep up. Yeah, that's a weird one. It is kind of hard to deal with. I wish there was some way to interact with it, like blinking it or whatever, mm-hmm. or being able to get more copies, because two of them is really hard to beat. I have seen a green-white teleportation circle list that I think might actually be reasonable for battling through this mid-range scrum. So mm-hmm. teleportation circle is just four mana at the end of your turn you blink one of your creatures or artifact or artifact which which is relevant for a seeker's chariot yes well i mean you could probably crew but i guess if they have wrath to you or something right. then it, it can reload like, it yeah yeah so there is enough blinkable stuff in green and white that i like i think that can be reasonable there is one problem though for like leaning way into some fancy permanent that's like not a planeswalker not a traditional value engine the way that this format is engaging and that is that vanishing verse exists so there are answers to any kind of sidestep of this whole mess the thing that i have been looking towards that just really isn't going to work because of the existence of vanishing verse but it's really fun when it does work is the card arcane bombardment is it the six mana red card? Yeah, it's the yeah. only six mana red enchantment to like, you know, you you automatically just like set aside all the six mana red enchantments. Uh, but this Maybe one's actually, you do. I don't know. I mean, which six mana red enchantment have you ever cast and constructed? I don't know what all the six mana red enchantments are. All right, just tell your story. I'll think of one. This, this one even as is tradition with six mana red enchantments has the word random on it. And it is like an order of magnitude more powerful than any of the other six mana red enchantments okay so there are 21 red enchantments in all of magic that are six mana uh-huh and i've cast sunbird's invocation in constructed <laughs> oh yeah i forgot that one this is kind of in some ways similar to sunbird's invocation uh but it like iterates and gets way way more powerful after a turn or two so it's six mana Whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery on your turn, you exile an instant or sorcery at random from your graveyard, and then you cast all of the instants or sorceries exiled with Arcane Bombardment. So the first one you cast, casts a free spell. The second one you cast, casts two free spells. The third one, so, you know, you can only do it once per turn, so you really want to cast, like, a, a spell on your turn and then a cheap instant on their turn to really get it going. The fact that you have access to as many as eight uh, big scores and uh, unexpected windfalls really helps fuel this engine because not only do they help you get there, but they're also very, very good to cast for free. And then you just end up with all of these treasures and you can do whatever you want. 
I think that a learn and lesson package is really good. You're in red already, so you get to include the three mana, three damage to any target uh, and learn spell. And so that is a fine way to contain some of the stuff that is happening. And also you can burn your opponent out by casting it every turn for the rest of the game, <laughs> uh, which I have done. And it also gives you access to a mascot exhibition in your sideboard that you like then discard to a big score. And then you just like cast mascot exhibition every turn until your opponent gives up. I was playing a red-white version of the deck because I wanted the 2-1 learn guy and I thought, you know, I wanted to play around with uh, having Wraths and then casting Wraths on my opponent. Boy, your opponent animating a Cavern of the Frost Dragon and attacking and then you cast like a Spike Field Hazard that casts a Wrath that has been... (laughs) Yes. It's really satisfying. But ultimately... and, And you also get... Amaria's call, whatever it is. The, the land. The land. Yeah. That, that makes call. two four fours. And that's nice because you discard like it it gives you a little easier access to creating a bunch of creatures with your arcane bombardment triggers. So, you know, this is a pet project of mine. Ultimately, I don't think red white is the way to go because white just isn't a great color for doing this sort of thing and you can't beat anybody who has access to blue mana. So that's not great. But the turns that I've had when I do make some treasures and then cast Arcane Bombardment and then just like have a spike field hazard and then have another spell. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. This is powerful enough to be worth something. And I will probably keep coming back to it and probably will never actually make it good enough. But it's really, really fun. And it does. I absolutely demolished every Rakdos deck that I played against. <laughs> Whenever my opponent was like, all right, here's a Lolf, it was like, oh boy, you've just made the biggest mistake of your entire life. And You don't it know was, what's about to come here. It was Arcane not pretty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so next route for exploring that for me is going to be a, a black-red base. Probably not running the full eight big scores. Probably going to run some deadly like a deadly dispute package aka little score and use that to you know that's a much more playable basis for a deck than a bunch of fateful absences and uh rip aparts and stuff which actually fateful absence was really really good in that deck it was this was a deck that specifically fateful absence was extraordinary in but i think the black cards have proven themselves to be very good and very good at getting you to an accelerated late game that I am excited to explore. Uh, the only problem is counter spells are good against you and vanishing verse on arcane bombardment is one of the more brutal things that can happen in a game of magic. And as long as people are running a bunch of vanishing verses, uh, I can't recommend this particular strategy for addressing the mid range format. But if your opponent is just doing mid range stuff, Oh man, arcane bombardment does go over the top of everything in a similar way to uh, All Runs Epiphany. It feels like more like a Nexus of Fate style deal to me, where you're just doing all the game actions now. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that's the thing that originally got me thinking about Arcane Bombardment, because once I cast it in Limited and realized what the text was, my brain was like, oh, wow, if you ever got a time walk under this thing, you just would take all of the turns. 
we don't have any time walks in standard that you can do with it anymore but hey you can lose the game with it you can lose the game every (laughs) turn for the rest of the game yes (laughs) i do appreciate the people trying to make alchemist gambit work as an allrun's epiphany replacement to go over the top in the standard a couple of those lists i don't think that those lists are good enough to compete right now you just run into too many bad cards I I think the the angle that works is the show of confidence kind of leer mm-hmm. deck that 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 works out much better than trying to play Alchemist Gambit even yeah. inside that deck, which I have also seen and do not like. <laughs> yeah, and I I do like you know at least having access to Goldspan Dragon in those decks. There's so many Planeswalkers running around that you need to have ways to attack. Like your combat step is actually really really important right now. And I think whatever deck you build, you have to be aware of that and either be going so big that you don't care about Planeswalkers. Uh, but I don't think there's anything that's actually... I haven't identified anything that actually does that. Arcane Bombardment doesn't care about it, but I don't. it's not likely to be playable. Right. So either you have to not care about Planeswalkers or you have to be able to engage on their terms, which is the combat step. Also... As a side note to this format, Legion Angel has like risen <laughs> dramatically in stock. <laughs> I don't know whether it's appreciably better than it was in the previous format, but it is in way more deck lists. I don't think that it is appreciably better than it was in previous formats. <laughs> That's my read on it, but like I, I don't play standard since I don't play arena and I haven't seen any gameplay with legion angel in it so it's just like i just see it in a bunch of lists and then i also see people memeing about it sometimes where it's like here's the legion angel tier list of how many you should play <laughs> in your sideboard yes and i believe that bob's a tier only had zero zero in it yeah, and zero, i zero was the a tier yeah and i tend to agree with that i I'm rarely impressed by my opponent's Legion Angels. It's often like my opponent hits turn four and I'm just like, boy, man, if they have a second Adeline here, I'm probably dead. And then they, because like I killed an Adeline, whatever. Uh, But then they cast a Legion Angel and then I'm like, okay, I don't think I can lose this game anymore (laughs) because a parade of Legion Angels just doesn't cut it. Also, if they ever tutor for a Legion Angel, then, like, pass with four open mana, it's like, oh, there's a Wandering Emperor here. (laughs) (laughs) God, Wandering Emperor. You know, we we were pretty high on that card, but it is outperformed. Like, that card defines this format. I thought this card was good, and it is phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, I wanted to pick up a... the showcase copy for myself. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, just I like really like the art. But $50 it's or something? So, oh, no, it's way more than that. Oh, geez, really? <laughs> yeah, which is why I do not have one. <laughs> Legit. I think that is... So, you know, one of the ways that you would go to attack a mid-range format is, oh, well, I'm going to play like a, you know, maybe a blue-white control deck. I think that that isn't working out for a couple of reasons. One of those reasons being that these mid-range decks are so Planeswalker-focused that whenever they do land... You know, their value permanents are pretty good, and then their Planeswalkers are very good. And so whatever they do manage to land is going to just, like, allow them to win the card advantage fight. Your Memory Deluges cost mana to do. Their Planeswalker activations don't cost mana to do. And a lot of these decks are running Wandering Emperors, 
And yeah, blue-white control, you can run Wandering Emperor, and you should, but their Wandering Emperors are way better against you than your Wandering Emperors are against them. So it it just, like, ends up being this bad situation, and you're, like, leaning on farewells, but those that doesn't kill Planeswalkers. You maybe could play, like, the, what is it, Brilliant Mastery or whatever it is? What is it called? Devastating Mastery. Oh, this is... Okay, it's a Strixhaven card. Okay, yeah. I see. So, like, probably if you were to run some sort of white-based control deck, then Devastating Mastery is where you would go because Farewell not killing Planeswalkers is, like, a really big deal, and this does kill all of their treasure tokens, all of their creatures, and all of their Planeswalkers, but it also, like, costs quad white and is six mana, and I, like, am not sure that that's where you want to be in this format. I will say that the first place on, I think, Sunday uh, was just a mono-white control deck with, like, yes. two Doomscar, three Farewell, three Stardom Unleashed, and a bunch of uh, uh, spot removal. Yes. Which is an, and, and the Wandering Emperor, of course, which was very interesting. And four Reckoner Bankbuster as it's, like, <clears throat> you know, mid-tier value engine, like, mid-game value engine kind of thing. Reckoner Bankbuster combos with the one Sanctuary Warden. It does you come. can just draw so many cards. <laughs> yeah. Sanctuary Warden, one of those completely unbeatable limited mythic rares. At, See, when uh, I read this card the very first time, I didn't even realize it drew cards. <laughs> I just thought it made tokens. <laughs> yeah, not only does it draw cards and make tokens, but in limited, it gets to eat all of your like counters off of your other creatures in exchange for cards and tokens. It's yeah, pretty uh, unreal. Completely unreal. When I saw this card spoiled, it reminded me of Pristine Angel from Darksteel, which is a mm-hmm. card that has protection from all colors, <laughs> <laughs> which was very difficult to beat, even in you know a format with like 60% of the cards are artifacts. Yeah, and this card is uh, probably twice as hard to beat as pristine angel it in it's like in this limited format it's harder to beat than pristine angel was in that format it just like comes down and you can't ever do anything it's pretty nuts uh another deck that i want to point out is the second place deck from that same tournament just because i think it really shows a lot like you could look at this deck and if you were really thoughtful and careful you could kind of parse out what's going on in the rest of the format by the existence of this deck as a deck that performed at least once in it. This is a green-white mid-range deck that it only has five cards under three mana, and that's one werewolf pack leader and a set of ranger classes. And ranger class isn't even like a strong two-mana play. It's just a two-two, and then you can get more value off of it. And then the rest of the deck is all just like Every single card gets you value. Four Brutal Cathars and four Skyclave Apparitions as the three jobs. Four Elspeth Resplendents to flip those with shield counters into play. Three Tovalar's Huntmasters. Three Workshop Warchiefs, which is the Thragtusky kind of card. Two Yasharns. Four Asika's Chariots. Like, it's just a deck that is entirely composed of two-for-ones. And it got there by saying, no, I don't need to play anything that costs one or two mana. I can just play like at the top of the curve every match and it's fine. And then my sideboard can be four portable holes, four doom scars, three farewells, which this might be a week one sideboard, but 
Oh yeah, it's the classic four 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 three kind of <laughs> yeah. deal. But I I actually really like a five mana Elspeth in this deck because mm-hmm. I think it makes extremely good use of the plus ability because it's playing all mid range creatures. Yeah, even if you can get one out in the first turn, you play Elspeth because that's what she does. But then once you have Elspeth in play with a creature, putting your choice of a keyword counter and a plus one counter on them is really strong. The keywords yeah. on Elspeth is not a joke. No, like, okay, yeah, I have a Skyclave Apparition in play. That's a 2-2. But then one Elspeth activation, and it is a 3-3 Flyer or 3-3 First Striker or 3-3 Lifelinker. That has gone from, like, almost a liability on the battlefield to, like, a legitimate threat on the battlefield. Yeah, the worst part of Skyclave Apparition and cards like it, like Meddling Mage, is you play them and then they can't attack or block. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's because you don't want to lose them. You don't want to give your opponent the thing you took away from them. Uh, or a token in Skyclave Apparition's case. But then you, like, Elspeth just removes that vulnerability completely and turns it into an actual creature. Yep. I don't believe that this format is going to stay in a place where you can play a deck with this total cmc curve yeah i don't i don't think you can get away with like basically no real two drops because i don't like ranger class is not like a board presence card it's a two two token i think that you can adapt this though like at going forward and you just like play tangled florahedrons or something like that and you can just adjust how the deck functions a little bit maybe that's a you know spike field hazard consideration or something like that but spike field hazard hazard yes a a spike field hazard hazard but you can't just like start the game on turn three at some point that's going to catch up to you maybe not in the format as it is right now as a mid-range scrum but at some point that'll catch up to you i do appreciate the like oh i'm not going to play any removal spells like, I'm just going to play all Brutal Cathars and Skyclave Apparitions because I can't afford to, like, spend mana and a card a just killing a thing. Like, I got to do more than that. Because all the other decks that are trying to do this thing are playing Planeswalkers to supplement it. Mm-hmm. And half of those Planeswalkers are removal. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do like a lot of the things, actually, about the way this deck is built. But obviously, the overall, like, Tovalar's Huntmaster is probably not really where we're supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> even in a very mid-rangey format yeah it's just n- not grave titan yeah obnixilis is quite good it is probably not i don't think it's busted because it's there's so much onboard play and cardboard going around exactly like that's what obnixilis is bad against because it's trying to rip you down on resources but everyone's always playing their cards to the board that draw them cards and obnixilis kind of suffers there Right. And it doesn't match up great. You know, even just like a Kaido Shizuki, it's like, okay, well, I have an unblockable 1 1 and I'm drawing cards. Uh, I'm probably like, that's a real threat to other cheap planeswalkers. And so this is a period of time where Obnixilis is kind of at a low point of what its potential is. And it's still seeing a reasonable amount of play and it's still like pretty good, but it rarely takes over a game. I still think the on the play curve of Tenacious Underdog and Top Nixless is like kind of crazy. <laughs> yes. And Tenacious Underdog has been seeing a significant amount of play. That's just like a, an acceptable two that like, you know, like Ranger class, you play it on two. It gives you value as the game goes on. 
and uh, there's a lot of those in these lists. And yeah, definitely very good with Obnex LS. Specifically on the play, because on the draw, you're like, there's so many powerful three drops in this format that you you, you don't want to, you really want to like establish two Obnex lists with a devil and another creature in play. Yeah. If you can. And it's really hard to do that on the draw against right. like whatever your opponent's already done. Right. Like they have their two and then they played a wedding announcement. And like if they went like Luminarc Aspirant into wedding announcement and you're just like you're really under the gun at that point. Yeah. Uh, So just like wrote up a list of like new card alerts. Oh, yeah. Before that, Fable of the Mirror Breaker is everywhere. That may be the most heavily played card in this format. Uh, I guess that has to be true. Like there's a lot more decks with a smattering of Planeswalkers, but every deck that plays Fable of the Mirror Breakers is like jamming four of them. Yeah. It's just like, that's what you want to do on turn three. It is multiple threats or at least like things that need to be solved and it fixes your hand and yeah, it just, it does a lot of work. It is much better than, I mean, it had a coming out party, like really at the alchemy set championship where it just like, oh yeah, red based mid range, very, very good. And we're seeing that play out in standard as well. New cards that we've seen some or a lot of, and just kind of like brief evaluations on each. Zeatora's Envoy has also showed up, I think pretty much just in this one list that won the Saturday challenge. This is a Jund deck and Zeatora's Envoy is the four mana Jund 5-4 trample with Blitz for five mana. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you can look at the top card of your library and you can play it as long as it has mana value less than or equal to the amount of damage that you did to your opponent. But if you don't play it, it goes to your hand. Yes. So as long as this deals a damage to them, then you at least draw a card and it is a 5-4 trample. So if it attacks, it's hard to stop that. And the joke here is that it's being combined with Reckless Stormseeker and Halana and Elena partners to make it very easy to hit them with it and not have to do the blitz cost of it and so that's like reasonably impressive and trample is a way to get through these like clogged boards and get some value out of it so a a decent card we've seen a bunch of riveteers charms in these jund lists i think that card is really good i don't think that's a big surprise no rafine is i think quite good in the standard format actually just incredibly good at helping you pressure planeswalkers if you have a two drop then it like gets going really quickly i also think it helps that the colors in the standard format for rafine are really good like you get mm-hmm. kaido shizuki on the wandering emperor yes which is a huge draw to just being an esper in general yeah and also rafine works really well with kaido <laughs> yeah yeah put in those counters on the unblockable token <sighs> It's very, very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the Esper deck, I think, is quite strong. The only thing about the Esper deck is that a lot of its cards that are all good and you kind of have to play, you know, you have to play that package. A lot of its cards function a lot worse when it is behind the eight ball. And I've seen it get tempoed out pretty hard just because, like, if you're getting beat down then you struggle to get your Rafine triggers and, you know, Kaido Shizuki isn't doing its thing unless like the board is at parity or you're starting ahead. So when you're on the draw and your opponent has a good hand and you don't have the removal spells to line up, then Esper does suffer a little bit there. But when you're not like getting tempoed out, 
it is really impressive and the evasion and the synergies like line up to really do some crushing i also think the Esperdex as they're currently built are not like tuned that well probably not like I, I look at these lists and there's a bunch of creatures that are just like a legion angel for instance like this is not really it's just a value card that's like random you don't really need that you can just like make your deck leaner and more efficient for sure so that you're not you don't have that issue of like when you're on the draw you, you you're struggling right you can just build your deck a little better to <laughs> to help you with that and i don't mm-hmm. really see a lot of that in the lists we have right now yeah I know it's painful, but you may want to main deck your portable holes in your Esper deck because I think it <laughs> solves a lot of the games where like your card quality is higher and you should have won, but you just like got taken down to zero life before you could take your opponent down to zero life. Right. So I, I, I do like the Esper, the look of the Esper decks. I just think they can be refined. Yeah. But they've got a lot of powerful cards in them and the synergies between them are very solid. They have that problem of like too many good options and this early in the format, it's really easy to misbuild and just like put not quite the right cards in your deck. Yeah. As I said, we had that mono green deck, Titan of Industry, Topiary Stomper, Workshop Warchief. These are available green cards that actually kind of work pretty well together. Strangle obviously sees some amount of play. It costs one mana. It kills a lot of stuff. As long as it's killing stuff that you care about, then it makes sense to run some of it. Cards that, you know, have possible standard applications, but we're not seeing. These kind of go together. Uh, Depopulate and Endless Detour just didn't show up at all. There's not a single copy in either of the challenge top 32s. Uh, The Wraths that people are playing, I think that Depopulate mostly is going to draw your opponent a card every time you cast it and not you a card. Well, also, like we just said that there's like six Planeswalkers per deck. Right, right. the top eight of one of these challenges and are you willing to play a wrath in that kind of format that doesn't deal with planeswalkers right i mean i think that's that's really true and then the wraths that people are playing there's a lot of doom scars in sideboards and stuff but uh i think that that is because people are have them in their sideboards like for mono white specifically and you're just hoping to draw the doom scar in your opening hand use it to stop their initial onslaught and then play your cards and I think Doomscar works a little bit better for that. And Depopulate, we haven't seen at all. We haven't seen any of these like reactive Bant decks. And I don't know that we're likely to with the cards that exist in Bant. It is a little weird because like Depopulate would go so well with Leer, but Leer is just terrible in a Bant deck otherwise. Like your cards just aren't the right things for Lear. You don't have hand disruption. You don't have, you know, red removal. Go- red removal and duresses go really well with Lear. And like Jeez, March of Otherworldly Light and counter spells and whatever Green is doing just don't go well with Lear. Well, that's, I think that's the problem. Whatever Green is doing. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense that we're not seeing depopulate. I There is some room potentially for a mid-range bant deck too and i am a little bit higher after seeing it in play on broker's ascendancy than i was after like just thinking about the card because boards get so clogged up and making your creatures larger is really really powerful and making your creatures larger every turn can be a way of just like going over the top of these clogged board stalls uh and it also gives your planeswalkers loyalty counters loyalty counters yeah 
And there's a lot of boards where like both people have two planeswalkers in play and nobody's able to like finish off anybody's planeswalkers. And if you're adding an extra loyalty counter to each, like you're going to ultimate something at some point. I would like to see a build with that because it's got the, I mean, luckily two ascendancies work together, which is not true for all the ascendancies. Yeah. I mean, you're just getting double counters, double the stuff, but I would need proof of concept for that sort of deck. Like, sure. Because Wedding Announcement does a lot of the same things with an easier color requirement. But you can also just run both and they go really well together. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think there is some room for something like that there. And I haven't seen any of the Park Heights Pegasus, the green-white <laughs> two-one flyer. But that works really well. Well, I guess it doesn't work with wedding announcement right because that gives you the the token at the end end step so that's that's a little unfortunate and that may be enough honestly to like remove my desire to play that card at all because like that was a that's a big contributor to making two creatures in a turn and that just doesn't work so that's unfortunate i think your pegasus dream is a little yeah far flung i just want to ride the pegasus man a a little head in the clouds yeah horse in the clouds just we're in the clouds where where our feet aren't on the ground we don't we're not doing the right thing we got to go to this wedding we've got to make a token every turn we've got to slowly grind our opponent into the ground and uh can't waste our time on daydreaming about drawing a card each turn with our two one flyer i'd rather just draw a card with my enchantment that's also making creatures yeah all of your other cards draw <laughs> cards so you don't need to like put one in there that sometimes draws a card maybe that is kind of the thing of this format. Like you don't really have to do that much work to draw cards. Right. It's just there. They're available. Their cards are there for the taking. I do need to state that apparently there have been at least a couple of five O's reported in modern leagues with the six men of Vivian from this set. I did see one earlier today. Uh, I put almost no stock in five O's by the way. Oh, absolutely. But I did see let's see uh okay i found one without vivian it's just a luca copper coat outcast deck with a plain valid accomplice trying to like you plain valid accomplice put luca into play then transmogrify the plain valid accomplice into an emrakul because <laughs> there's nothing that costs more than three in your yeah it's all bone crusher giant season okay, five answer but we could have done that whenever i don't care about that i care about felidar combo with with vivian there's also an uh how many cards is this deck uh, there's also a 95 here with god there's so many one ofs <laughs> what there's three sahili rise is there a sahili combo too yeah we've got felidar guardian sahili rai vivian mm-hmm. on the hunt which is the new vivian two felidar guardians and three sahilis that's so weird I guess some Ice Fang Quaddles, probably. <laughs> yeah, four Ice Fangs, a Karmic Guide, a Kiki-Jikis, a couple of Omnaths, two Flame Mount Accomplices. This is just like, all right, let's 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 build a deck, put our numbers in at random. Yeah, these these do mostly sound like rookie numbers to me. Who decided the three to fair? This is Musasabi, so I'm probably judging him too harshly. But... Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. <laughs> Does three Sahilis two felida guardians and two teferis like one of those has got to be wrong <laughs> yeah but it is musasabi so who am i to criticize a single card choice i also 
Musasabi has that whole mystique where you can't just copy their deck lists and do well with it. So, right. You know, play this one at your own risk. Yeah, no, there are arcane forces at work. They exist and function beyond the minds of mere mortals such as ourselves. I can't. I have to stop looking at this deck. There's too many numbers. I have seen a bit. I haven't seen many of these cards seeing application in older formats yet. The hearse I have seen a little bit inside boards in Pioneer. Ooh, I've seen the hearse seed legacy main deck play. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, you know, I I'm pretty happy with the hearse as my what number two card in the set. Then yeah. so. it's it's mostly I've seen it in the like blood moon amount kind of deck sure i saw someone play four copies of that card in that deck oh my god and i've seen it see play in like lands strategies Mm -hmm. just to like get stuff going and have a thing to do interesting i I don't i don't super understand the intricacies but i know it's actually seeing main deck legacy play it's really good against mark tag regent and cards in that sphere yeah so maybe that's what it's about. But I, I haven't really... I've just seen deck lists pop up and I've been walking at them. I haven't really dug into why this card is seeing play. Gotcha. Well, I mean, clearly it's at least exciting to people to have that functionality. And it has looked like an effective sideboard card in like Pioneer and stuff at least. So, yeah. Not not a tough call. The colorless two-mana artifact that has an effect the turn it comes into play and can be a 10-10. Like... Yeah, I'll look at modern like later on. I don't think there's been really any movers with the new set. The, all the moving in modern has been, oh, except for the 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 shadow of mortality. People are playing calibrated blast with that. I, I saw that, which is funny. Oh, geez, yeah. I mean, you need some another number 15 of 15s. Card you can actually cast, which is yeah. hilarious. But yeah, definitely skipped over that card in our previews and stuff, but. My evaluation was, if this card matters, it's because it's CMC is 15. Basically. All, all the interesting stuff in Modern is more of like a, a metagame shifting deal, like where mm-hmm. Yagmoth is really good now, or mm-hmm. popular now, rather than like an individual card thing. Yeah. Yeah, this For set now. is not going to shift the Modern metagame when there's two Modern Horizon sets in Modern carrying a lot of the <laughs> the card quality burden yeah one more than the other (laughs) yeah it's certainly one more than the other but force of negation is an og yep oh man this i'm just scrolling now and there's a this fifth place standard challenge runes deck is running a one legion angel main three legion angel sideboard split you just don't need legion angel in your runes deck there's absolutely no way that you're this is what i'm saying everyone's just like legion angel gotta do it i don't know where it came from everyone's just on the legion angel train for some reason it's it plays out so it like you wouldn't even think that it would play out well right looking at it okay a four three that is taking up sideboard slots and then like draws another four three you wouldn't even think that it plays out that well and honestly most of the time it plays out worse than that it it plays out mostly exactly as you would expect (laughs) but you always underestimate the cost of a four mana card in your head yeah like relative what's it takes your whole turn you're not double spelling with this thing it always takes a whole turn to cast or you haven't hit your fourth land yet and you can't cast it at all it's it's not that good just legion angel responsibly people i am a legion angel hater i fully embrace that role i'm not a hater i'm sure it has a place somewhere i just haven't seen one where i'm comfortable with it yeah or 
know enough about the deck list to be like, oh, okay, Legion Angel seems fine there. Most of the time it's just like, does the deck even really need Legion Angel? And that's what I really think people should be asking themselves. Not whether they can, whether for, they should. <laughs> imagine, if you will, your opponent casts a Seekus Chariot and you look at your hand and your four mana spell is a Legion Angel. It's not, it's not going to cut it. These magic cards don't do the same thing. Maybe you can trade with the chariot if they have that hand. Yeah, that's and not... offer it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, they still get a cat token out of the exchange. Yeah, so... they still have six power worth of cats in play after that it's trade. It's not great, but <laughs> oh man, are there zero? Hold on. All right, yeah, nobody has broken through this standard mid-range milieu with Grease Fang yet, so I guess I gotta be the one to get on that. What do you even reanimate with Grease Fang? Seekus Chariot. Oh, okay. <laughs> Isn't that just more of the mid-range stuff, but with different colors? Yeah. So it's not really a breakthrough as much as it is like a, a joining the ranks. But it's like really fun. You have like a lot of triggers <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> as long as you put a Legion Angel in your deck, I think it'll be fine. I refuse. <laughs> All right, well. I don't think that there's anything specific. I don't have a, a, a recommendation for how to break this format yet. I have avenues that I'm going to explore. I think out of the mid-range, just like pick three colors and put all the good cards together decks. I am most into Esper. Uh, I think that the flying angles and, and the ways that you can construct it and access to counter magic out of your sideboard is very good. Barring that, I think that the Oni Cult Anvil decks are at least doing something a little bit different, and you may be able to get angles on people. Like, if you're going to play a million turn game, this thing that keeps draining your opponent for life is a, a nice, th nice addition to that game plan that can be an angle they can't really deal with. I don't think Arcane Bombardment is going to get there, and I have to confess that I'm mostly joking about Grease Fang, but I do really enjoy casting that card. So I, I would recommend two things, I guess. Uh, I, I like the Esper decks. Like if I had to play a tournament or whatever, mm -hmm. I would just play the Esper deck. Yeah. Uh, I would tweak numbers for sure because I don't like the, 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 the builds I'm seeing. But the base cards are powerful and I really mm -hmm. like them. They're good. So I would start there if I wanted to like win. But since it's like the first week of the standard format, <laughs> as long as you have the budget for it, I think you should just play whatever cards that you enjoy. And just try to go from there. All the decks are the same. They're yeah. three drops that draw cards, like two mana creatures and removal spells to like bridge the gap, and then like bangers of four and five mana cards. And they all like fundamentally do the same things. Yep. And that's just like just pick the cards you like the most and play those. Yep. Like until something is clearly the best and you would need to switch away, just do whatever you want. I do also really like that, like for Brutal Cathar, for Skyclave Apparition, for Elspeth package. And yes. I wonder what other shells can be explored with that. And that's all white cards. So you don't have to play green-white like this person did. You right. can actually do other stuff. Yes. I don't really have anything else specific to talk about. Hopefully we'll have a little bit more granular information next week. Yeah. Is there anything happening this weekend, like event-wise? I think we're in like a little bit of a lull period while we're waiting for OP to start up. We are in a little bit of a lull. That's kind of how it feels like to me, because I've been desperately waiting for events to start. Yeah, the new Capenna set championship is actually soon. It's like two weeks away. So is it like 
it's i think it is may 20th is okay, the first that's a friday day. yeah okay so this weekend nothing next weekend is the flesh and bread photo which i care about and then the week after is the capetta yes so we'll definitely have an established standard metagame after that happens but you know we'll keep an eye on things leading up till then yeah anything else no just stop stop just think twice before playing language angel if there's anything you can take away from this episode it should be <laughs> yeah. that i was gonna give this like a pun sort of title like a uh like arena made me an offer i couldn't refuse kind of thing <laughs> or something like that but uh, this may just be like the legion angel hate episode this is a legion angel intervention yes <laughs> we're not really you know telling saying you shouldn't do it just you know are you hurting yourself <laughs> yeah you are it's not very good there's a reason no one had played it since it's been before <laughs> a long time ago <laughs> the fact that you can just play four wandering emperors as your four in like any white deck just start there this card legitimately rotates out in two months or three months <laughs> or whatever whenever dominary comes out and it has seen zero relevant play in the two years it's been legal think about why that may be <laughs> uh it's a little longer it's actually a while before dominaria comes out right i mean three months from now is august it's got to come out before then right let me see september wow yeah that's it's, so late i remember it being like a really big gap uh we are in new Cap we are in new capenna standard for the foreseeable future that is and then Brothers War, I said Brothers War released date into Google, and it's like May 1998. So that's when <laughs> that's the book, book. came yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, uh, November. Released. So okay. Wow, those come out. We've got the whole uh, Innistrad schedule going on now. Is that a permanent thing now? Is this just how it happens? I guess. We got a solid like four months of new Capenna standard, and then... I don't like that because what if yeah what like, if it's what bad if this set just sucks like yeah. not even new capenna specifically though i'm not yeah but what if this eight right set now. standard is bad because sometimes eight set standards just like devolve into chaos or, or what if we keep this schedule for three years and then just one of the last one of the eighth sets is bad and then yeah. you have to wait what four almost five months <laughs> until the next set comes out it's just like unbearably long well on the bright side we do have like 18 different constructed formats we're allowed to play so you can just switch over to a different one yes that's true but i mean set releases do pull people's attention back mm -hmm. and it can be difficult to do that if you're priced out of some formats or like you play modern and it's stagnant because like the power levels and race so much nothing has that much impact anymore uh, yeah i mean i fully expect I expect to be done with this standard, like completely over the standard format for at least like a month or so before the next. Like, there's just no way to engage me in an unchanged standard format for four and a half months. Like, it's just not possible. Yeah, it's it's that that's a weird decision to me. I hope it's not a permanent shift in the schedule. Yeah, because <laughs> I also didn't like the uh, inner stride coming out like a month after the first one. I feel like there's you could do more with the exploration of. Mm -hmm. a smaller standard format because those are always i mean they're not great they're they're never great but they're at least sometimes they're busted in interesting ways <laughs> yeah most of the time i feel they're boring mm -hmm. I, I don't i'm not a huge fan of how standard fluctuates in playability based on how many sets are released at the time it's weird <laughs> it is very strange i 
I don't know if there's a better way of doing it, but it, especially given that people almost exclusively play standard on arena now, I wonder if they could adjust the rotation schedule away from the once a year thing that they went to after God, what, what set was it even like? Yeah. Cons or like Zendikar or whatever. Cause Siege Rhino rotated out faster than any other card. And then Collected Company was the slowest. Yes. (laughs) Because they extended it. (laughs) I I think that arena might give them the ability to reevaluate the rotation process. And I wonder if that might be a smart thing to do. It may be a smart thing to do, but I think they're unlikely to take that step because I think to them rotation is more of like a money estimation, mm-hmm. and Arena doesn't really. I mean, he's rotating yeah. more in Arena. People have to buy more packs. Yeah, we know. We all know how bad Arena's economy is. The fact that organized play is better on Arena now right. didn't actually do anything to alleviate the fact that Arena's economy is the worst. Yeah, that's true. The only thing that it does is. If you are engaging in the qualifier like circuit, then that does inject some number of gems back to you because mm-hmm. you know you're getting the play points by or whatever they're called. You're getting the points by playing the events, and then you're converting those back into gems by playing both the uh, play-in events and then the qualifier weekend. So some amount of hey, I'm getting a little bit back does exist, but it, it's definitely the economy is still bad it's not fixing the economy right so i don't i guess rotation just changed kind of sneakily this year mm-hmm. in, as far as scheduling goes and i don't, i hope it doesn't stay this way but yeah i guess i'll have to wait the four and a half months to see if that really uh if i'm really going to make up my mind on that yeah i it mean it's th- weird that i would change it but <laughs> I'll, I'll at least give it a shot so this is because the like commander set is cut you know the supplemental set or whatever is coming out in the summer and it's like you know that's the summer set or whatever uh and i wonder if that's going to be a thing going forward is like the supplemental non-standard thing comes out and like shoves the standard sets around it like earlier and later respectively i mean that oh that's a weird thing to do because it pushes your theoretical flagship format standard the the reason people care about new releases Mm -hmm. and just like kind of relegates it to i hope you're playing the format that the summer release cares about because the summer releases are like commander sets or Mm -hmm. modern horizon sets or sometimes they're just like conspiracy or just like their own multiplayer draft thing yeah or battle bond or whatever which i would which is like if we uh, could replace all of them with conspiracy and battle bond i'd be fine with that but Look, I, I like Bad Bond a lot, but yeah. they are fun sets that don't really have a a place as part of a... I know. They're supplemental. They're not like, right. all right, this is what we really want to focus on now kind of deal, the way a they also the gap would lead me to believe. They also don't get to exist on Arena, which often, like, I wonder how much of it... But I guess, I don't know if this Commander set gets to... Ex- I assume it doesn't get to exist no, on Arena, so I guess that... There might be like skins or something from mm-hmm. cards that are on arena already, but I doubt it. I'm just gonna adjust down here. Oh, I saw Simon. Don't worry. I, <laughs> I was very aware of what was happening. He's just being. He's just gone into shrimp mode right now. 
Although he's on my space bar. There we go. That's Oh, he's adjusted himself to still be on the space bar after I moved the keyboard back. Thank you. That's the comfiest key on the keyboard. Uh -huh. It's where Very I rest good. my thumbs. <laughs> well, I think we've done enough PSs for this episode. So P P P S. Mm -hmm. That's what we're on right now. Thanks everybody so much for listening. We really appreciate your time. If you want to lend us some support, pick up a uh, Lee Construct token in addition to the classic CCR. And we still have some Collins Construct tokens left. Uh, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. If you want to find us on social media, I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I'm at Lee McCleo, but social media is weird this week. So I wouldn't blame you if you just like chilled a little bit. Checked out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am, I guess, not surprised by the news coming out from the Supreme Court, but very dismayed and pretty upset. And I think it's pretty normal to feel that way and be angry and frustrated. Oh, yeah, absolutely. On all, all accounts. So, yeah, stay safe out there. Take care of yourself and your people. And we'll see you next week. Bye.